if you've got your, your Bibles, get those ready um, and, your, and your coffee. <laughs> Such a, a privilege to still uh, be able to share the word and um, just to, to be in fellowship together. It's, it's something that we can never take for, for granted something that matters so much, um, and it's really such a privilege that we still get to do this. Um, I'm feeling a, a much more pastoral word today, so you can be excited and grateful. I know I, I normally come with um, cannons and thunder, um, but uh, today I really feel so tender before the Lord, and um, you know, on Friday, on Friday everyone got the cannons and the thunder, I think, um, in a nice way, but um, you know, this COVID thing, um, I had a, a day with the Lord where, you know, obviously I, I processed with Him and, and I was so aware of the fact that um, it's such a distraction, such a, an attempt from the enemy to get us to take our eyes off of the dream of God, to take our eyes off of the mandate of heaven. And what's, what's come with COVID is this kind of movement of opinions and, and everyone thinks they're right, everyone's got something to say and, and, uh, and it creates this opportunity to try and... Um, without even realizing it, come with our own agenda. And I just felt the Lord say, you know, just as much as COVID dies in the presence of the Lord, so do we. We die to ourselves and we come alive to the dream of Jesus. And it's the life of Jesus that comes alive in us. And so I want to encourage you in this time. God is moving. Uh, the narrative of the enemy, the narrative uh, of, of the devil is locked down, shut down. You know, we're running out of time. Things are not going to happen. We're not going to be able to do this. We're not going to be able to do that. All this kind of stuff. And it's all just nonsense. It's, it's not the truth. And it's an attempt from the enemy to get us to take our eyes off of what God is doing, off of his dream. And I want to say to you that in my Bible, in Matthew 24, it says that the gospel will be preached to all creation, and then the end will come. And so we know that we've still got lots of work ahead of us. We've got lots to do. There's still many people who have not even heard the name of Jesus. We have a mandate as the church to preach the gospel, to proclaim the gospel. Where it hasn't been heard, and even here where it has been heard, we will continue to preach the gospel because signs, wonders, and miracles will follow the proclamation of the gospel. We're not chasing signs and wonders. We're not chasing healing. I'm not upset or intimidated because suddenly I got a little bit sick. No, I actually counted all joy that in the midst of trials and tribulations, I can manifest the person of Jesus Christ on the earth that those who would look at the church in a time like this would not see the same response as the world, but they would see a people that are filled with hope, filled with vision, filled with the life of Jesus and are manifesting heaven on the earth. And so I, 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 the way that I see it, I shared this on Friday, is the moment COVID touched my body and the moment it touched uh, any of your bodies or our community uh, declared war against us. And we are already in the victory of Jesus Christ. And we walk in that kind of authority, the, the authority of the blood of Jesus. And so we have more authority today than we've ever had before over COVID. Why? Because we are standing in the finished work of the cross, the finished work of Jesus. I'm not afraid. I'm not intimidated. We are going to make COVID pay. And we're going to make COVID pay by getting hundreds of thousands and millions of people saved all across the earth. And that's the response. If people will say, well, what's your response to this whole thing? What do you have to say? That's what I have to say. I have to say that we are the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. We are full of glory, full of fire, full of wonder. We're in love with Jesus and we're going forward. And so I hope that that settles it on your heart. Um, I, I wish I could recap Friday, but I can't because there's another message that we have to share um, today. 
But I just want you to know that you are a son or a daughter of God, that you cannot be shaken or moved in this time or this season. The enemy wants to lie to you, wants to get you to, to look at other things and, and, and feel doubt or to second guess certain things. Don't even give it the time of day. You stay focused. You stay fixed on Jesus. And as you do that, you watch how he will actually exalt us at the right time. We stay humble. We humble ourselves under his hand. We yield to him. We look to him. We enthrone him. We glorify him. And he will demonstrate and manifest the kingdom of heaven in our lives and through our lives. And so I'm, I'm so grateful for that. I'm so excited to be the church. And, you know, I want to say this in, in 2019, we saw the methods of church change. You know, we had a time where we were meeting in homes and then we were, uh, you know, we were online a little bit in 2020. Then we were back able to gather again in, in our normal services. And so the methods change and, and we're not intimidated when the method changes. Uh, you know, the mandate and the mission and the purpose of who we are and what we are about never changes. We're in love with Jesus. We have a, a mandate to enthrone him, to worship him and to preach the gospel. That never changes, but the methods can change. And so one week, you know, we're on YouTube. The next week we're on Zoom. And then maybe the next week we're on YouTube again or we're in person. We don't know, but the methods can change. But we as the church don't change. We know who we are. We know what we're about. We're joined together as one. And I want to say to you that the oneness that we have is not because we just like each other and kind of enjoy seeing each other once a week. It's, it's not that kind of oneness. It's a oneness around the spirit of Jesus. It's a oneness in the spirit of Jesus. But it's also a oneness in the faith that we together have come into the dream of God. One faith, one father of all of us. We are the children of God, the family of God. Uh, and that's what makes us one. And so what a privilege that we still uh, get to see each other on a screen, uh, even in a time like this, and that we can be one together. We can love Jesus and love each other. So I want to ask you to just um, uh, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 3. Uh, we'll start in Luke chapter 3. Um, and we're going to read from verse 21. Um, this is when Jesus gets baptized. And, uh, you know, Jesus, when he, when he came and lived on the earth, he, he didn't come and, and do it just as God. If he came and lived on the earth just as God, I love um, my dad and Bill Johnson both have said this many times. If he came and did everything he did just as God, then we could stand back and just applaud him and say, wow, Jesus, you're amazing. You're incredible. But he didn't just do it as God. He did it as 100% man. And he, he did it as the prototype of what one life fully yielded to the Holy Spirit and filled with him could do. And so because Jesus did it fully man, uh, as a man filled by the Holy Spirit, he has invited us into his life. Everything that he lived and modeled on the earth is an invitation for us to live in that. And so what it must do is when we read the life of Jesus, when we read the Gospels, we must be inspired, motivated and provoked that there is more for us in this life. That the life that Jesus paid for, he modeled for us. And that's what he's called us to live in. And so we cannot settle for this realm. We cannot settle for this world. We cannot settle for fear and, and intellect and all the, the information that, that's around us. We must pursue the spirit of Jesus. Because if we are filled and possessed by the very spirit that Jesus was filled with, then we can walk in what he walked in. And he said we'd do greater things because he only modeled that period for three years. And look at what Jesus did in three years. And so he's saying, can you imagine a lifetime of someone filled with the Holy Spirit living as a son or a daughter of God? And so today on Father's Day, we have the great privilege of getting fresh revelation of who our father is, but also 
what our Father has done for us as His sons and daughters so that we can live as legitimate, authentic, true, mature sons and daughters. And so if you look in, in Luke chapter 3, verse 21, it says, Now when all, all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while He was praying, the visible heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on Him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven saying, You are My Son, My Beloved, and in You I am well pleased and delighted. And so here we see this incredible moment where Jesus for 30 years has not done a single miracle. He hasn't done any form of, of ministry. In fact, here you've seen Jesus just faithfully love God and allow God to train him and form him in righteousness. He never made a single mistake. He never sinned. He allowed himself for 30 years to become the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice that was going to take our place. In that 30 years, his earthly uh, representation of a dad, Joseph, uh, he passed away, and so Jesus would have endured grief. He would have endured uh, mourning. He would have been with his family and his mom when, when Joseph passed. Uh, he didn't raise Joseph from the dead. He didn't change that situation. He endured it, and he modeled something of a life that's yielded and laid down to, uh, to the Father. And so we see this process, but suddenly he comes to this moment where he's at the Jordan, and, and uh, where John the Baptist is baptizing people, and he tells John, I need to be baptized. And you can imagine John, like all of us, is going, what are you talking about? We need to be baptized by you. Come on, you baptize me. And Jesus says, no, this one time, you just need to listen to me and do this because this is to fulfill all righteousness. That's what Jesus says. And then he gets baptized. And when he comes out the water, the visible heavens are opened and the Holy Spirit descends upon him in bodily form like a dove. And in, I think it's in Mark or John, I think Mark, it says, and remained on him. And so we see Holy Spirit comes down and then a voice from heaven is proclaimed over Jesus. Now remember, Jesus is the prototype of what we are called to live in. What Jesus has modeled is exactly what the Father wants for you and me. And so here we see that the heavens open up, Holy Spirit comes down, and then suddenly a voice from heaven is proclaimed over the life of Jesus. And he says, you are my son. He says, you are my son, my beloved, and in you I am well pleased and delighted. Now, Jesus hasn't done anything. He hasn't done any act of, of a miracle or a sign or wonder or anything. All he's done is he's just lived, positioned as a son. And here's the father saying, you are my son, my beloved, in whom I'm well pleased and I'm delighted. And we see that this moment happens. And then if you skip down to, to Luke chapter 4, it says, Now Jesus, full of and in perfect communication with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness uh, for 40 days being tempted by the devil. Now I've been thinking about this. Um, you know, that word led by the Spirit in some translations actually says driven. And uh, when I looked it up, it's actually the same word uh, for our coffee shop. It's ekbalo. And so in the same way that in Matthew 9, 38, when Jesus, um, he teaches them to pray, pray to the Lord of the harvest, that the Lord would igbalo, that he would thrust forth, drive out laborers into the harvest field. It's a violent action, right? Uh, igbalo is not a tame word. You've heard me talk about this before. Igbalo is a violent action. And here, Jesus, he, he has now uh, been filled with the Holy Spirit. The Father has proclaimed over him, you're my belo beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then he's now full of the Holy Spirit and perfect communication with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit drives him out into the wilderness. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound fun. That doesn't sound, um, you know, like the first thing you want to do now that you're a son 
is let's go and spend some time starving ourselves in the in the wilderness uh, and and hang out with some crows. You know that that's not that doesn't sound like a, a great first act of a son or a daughter. But the Holy Spirit drives Jesus out into the wilderness for forty days. And I want to say to you that you know sonship. The Holy Spirit in, in Galatians, it actually uh, it says it in Romans and in Galatians, but it says that the, the Holy Spirit is the spirit that produces sonship. And so we know that we can't even be sons without the Holy Spirit. But what I love is that this isn't just about catching the label, catching the title or the name. Actually, our sonship only becomes manifested in our lives when it's tested. You know, you can, you can call yourself a son and a daughter and you can, you know, carry the title and the label all you want. But until it has been tested, it hasn't been manifested. And so here we see that the first thing that happens to Jesus is he, he's, he gets driven out into the wilderness where he's tested the sonship that he's now received. Does he believe what the father has spoken over his life? And, and that is tested, and as it's tested, sonship is manifested. And we see how actually Jesus goes out into the wilderness not to try and survive temptation from the devil, but he actually goes into the wilderness to pick a fight. He goes into the wilderness to manifest sonship and actually say to the devil, let me show you what I have now introduced to the earth. I am now the prototype of a new breed kind of believer. They are sons and daughters of the Most High God and they are going to rule and reign on the earth. That's how Jesus goes into the wilderness. He's, he, Holy Spirit wouldn't drive Jesus into the wilderness only because he was afraid that he might slip up. No, he drove Jesus into the wilderness because he was excited to see Jesus manifest sonship on the earth. I hope, you, I hope you're catching what I'm saying. And so when we face a wilderness experience, testing, squeezing, trials, tribulation, are we excited about the fact that we have the spirit of Jesus inside of us who has led us in this place to manifest the very nature of Jesus Christ, his sonship in our lives, so that actually when we come through seasons that are difficult, where they're squeezing a little bit of trials and tribulations, that the devil is more afraid of us uh, when we come out than when we went in because we've manifested sonship. And so for me, my heart is we're in this moment right now where we have an opportunity to manifest sonship, to be true, mature sons and daughters of God who are led by the Spirit of God, who know that we didn't earn this thing. God spoke it over us because of Jesus. He said, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. In fact, I love the Amplified ads and delighted. He delights in us. He's, a, he's already in love with us. He's so in love with you. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to prove it. You are his. But now because of that, there comes a testing, there comes a squeezing, and it's in the squeezing that we can manifest uh, Jesus. We can manifest our sonship. I hope that's making sense. If you uh, go to John chapter 14, everyone okay? Awesome. John chapter 14 um, you know, in, uh, in verse 6, he says that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. We know this. This is, this is important. No one can come to the Father but through Jesus. But in verse 16, John chapter 14, verse 16, he says, And I will ask the Father. I want you to notice something about Jesus. Every time he has an opportunity to teach, to train, to uh, explain or minister something of the, the reality of Jesus and, his, and the sonship that he is living out and carrying uh, and what he's inviting others into, he always refers to the Father. 
It's so beautiful that when, he, when he's teaching and training his disciples and his followers and he's, he's giving them keys of this life that he's called us to live, he always seems to refer to the Father. I've seen it so many times through John and when he teaches the believers how to pray, he teaches them our Father. And, and so it's quite a, a beautiful thing. But he says in verse 16, And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper uh, to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive and take to its heart because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be in you. He says, I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless, bereaved and helpless, but I will come back to you. And after a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You will you will live also. And on that day, when that time comes, you will know for yourselves that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. This is powerful. Jesus is training, he's teaching his disciples here. And he's saying, what I've invited you into is a oneness with God, a oneness with the Father. How? How do we live in this oneness? Well, because Jesus is one with the Father and we are one with Jesus. He's inside of us now. We're in him, he's in us, and he's in the Father, which brings us into this divine union and oneness with God. And if we would only understand what kind of union and oneness we have been invited into as sons and daughters, then we would realize why creation is crying out and groaning for the manifestation of these kinds of people that have become one with the Father. And so Jesus says this, and then he says, the person who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who really loves me. Listen to that. He says, the person who has my commandments and who keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and reveal myself to him. And I will make myself real to him. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, uh, other Judas, asked him, Lord, what has happened that you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered, if anyone really loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our dwelling place with him. I love how Jesus answers this question. He has Judas and he's saying, wow, what has happened that you, you're going to reveal yourself to us, but not to the world? And Jesus answers uh, by not answering. He doesn't answer. He answers it in what he's trying to communicate and say. And he, he explains the dream of God once again. And he says, if anyone really loves me, he'll keep my word. He'll hold fast to my word. He'll hold fast to the, the voice of God. It says, um, and my father will love him. This person will understand the love of the father. And we, the Trinity, will come to him and make our dwelling place with him. Jesus is trying to teach and train and explain to his disciples the dream of God and what our sonship is all about. This isn't an external kingdom, an external experience of trying to figure out what moment he's going to come and then we get to kind of be in the same place while he's ruling and reigning. No, he's saying, I'm going to bring the kingdom of heaven from within you. And you need to understand that it's oneness with God. It's oneness with the spirit of Jesus that actually makes us sons and daughters. And that's what's introducing the kingdom of heaven on the earth. You know, something has crept in and we've got to be real careful that we aren't thinking of the kingdom in the wrong lenses. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. We have to understand that we're not talking about trying to get this world to look a little bit more like the kingdom. Ooh. Because sometimes we get stuck in this and, and I... I you know, I was listening to, to Roland Baker uh, share a little bit about this. And, and you know, we've got to remember we are pilgrims, aliens, strangers to this world. That the kingdom of heaven, that, that when we say let your kingdom come, we are talking about the government of his kingdom in the hearts of men and women. 
that actually when Jesus returns, he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. We are not trying to see the systems and the ways of this world uh, redeemed and transformed. They won't be. They're going to fall. Babylon will fall. But the hearts of men and women, that's where the kingdom of God rules and reigns. We're a people of souls. We're a people about identity, about oneness, about reconciliation, reconciling lost sons and daughters to their father. This is what the kingdom looks like on the earth. And so when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. The will of the father is actually that sons and daughters would be reconciled to the father. That's the will of God. That's what the kingdom of God looks like on the earth. So I hate to break it to you, but the reality is this world in the natural realm is going down. And, you know, people get upset because there's been a a strange twisted teaching that came through that actually we preach kingdom and and kingdom is that, no, hold on, all these systems and things, we're going to redeem them, we're going to transform them and make them actually kingdom things. No, they're not kingdom things. God has no interest in the things of this natural realm. It is falling away. It's passing away. He promised it to us as the church. He said, Babylon's going to fall. It's going to fall. But in the midst of all the falling and the darkness and the things that are covering the earth, the bride of Christ, the dream of God is going to arise and shine amidst deep darkness and that is where he will have his glory that is where the kingdom of heaven will be illuminated and begin to shine and and, and that's where transformation happens and then he will recreate a new heaven and a new earth where we will rule and reign with Christ so I want you to understand something that Jesus is so after your heart He's not just after your behavior. He's not just after your business. He's not just after your, your school or your university or, your, or your whatever it is that you're putting your hand to. He's after your heart. And once he's got your heart, he wants to use you to reach other people's hearts and win their hearts. And so if you begin to see the kingdom through this lens, you realize that at the core of this is a father who is desperate for the hearts of his sons and his daughters. He is longing and aching for intimacy with sons and daughters. That is the kingdom of heaven. That's why he says the kingdom is not not food and drink. It's not the things of this realm. It's righteousness and it's peace and it's joy and it's in the Holy Spirit. That's That's how he describes the kingdom. And so here we see Jesus, he's talking about this oneness. He's talking about the spirit of, of Jesus that's going to be on the earth, represent him and everything that's of the fathers. The spirit is going to uh, minister to us. And it's going to minister to us as sons and daughters to, re- to receive and, and, re- and, um, and he will reveal to us all that Jesus is and remind us of what Jesus has said. And so if we understand this, then we realize, okay, hold on a second. I cannot be attached to the things of this world because this world is actually crying out for what's inside of me to be revealed. This world is crying out for the, the true sons and daughters to manifest heaven on the earth. And it's going to come through testing and trials. Because only when it's tested is it manifested. I hope, I hope this is making sense. So I, I see here Jesus is so, in, uh, he's so intentional about explaining that because of this oneness, God has made his dwelling place with man. And this is the dream of God, that for all of eternity, God wants to dwell and be with man. Now, I want, I want to explain it like this. If we understand this dream, then we realize While we're here on the earth, the primary goal of the Father is to shape and form and mold and create a people that He will spend eternity with. You see, if we get wrapped up in the kingdom without intimacy, then we've missed the goal of what God is actually doing here on the earth. He is creating a people for His own possession, a people of His presence, a people of intimacy. The the highest goal of God's dream and His kingdom on the earth is intimacy with sons and daughters, a people that he can spend eternity with in oneness. 
See, everything else has to, has to come into line with that one thing, even the Great Commission. And I'm, I'm, I am utterly obsessed with the Great Commission because so is Jesus. So I, I'm, 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 I know we've got three, just over three billion people that need to hear the gospel. They've never heard his name. They've never heard the name of Jesus. They've never heard the name of the one who's inviting them, reconciling them to God for all of eternity. Their, their eternal destinies are at stake. Over three billion people right now that are breathing oxygen on this planet. It, it so matters, but it matters in the context of intimacy. It matters in the context of sonship. It matters because the, the earth is crying out for the revealing, the manifestation of true sons and daughters on the earth. That's why we go. That's why we do what we do. And so we've got to understand that God is using this time on the earth to shape and form and create sons and daughters that he can live with, rule and reign with for all of eternity as his bride. I hope, yeah, I hope that's sinking in. Um, Man, the rest of chapter 14 is really good as well. Um, you know, it says uh, uh, the helper, the Holy Spirit, uh, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things and he will help you remember everything that I've told you. Peace I leave with you. Listen to this. He says, peace I leave with you. My perfect peace I give to you. But then he says this. It's so powerful. He says, not as the world gives do I give to you. This kind of peace that, that, that comes to sons and daughters, it's not like the world. It's not a worldly peace. This is uh, John, John 14, verse 27. This is, this is not a worldly peace. This is not a worldly comfort. This is not a worldly wisdom. This is a supernatural peace that comes from the Holy Spirit, and it's given to true sons and daughters. He says that His perfect peace He gives to you, not as the world gives, does He give. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let it be afraid, the Amplified adds this, it says, Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. You know, it's, it's this context of Scripture that, that sets it up for John 15 where Jesus begins to teach about the vine. And he's the vine, his father's the vine dresser. Every branch in him that does not bear fruit, he takes away, he prunes. And he begins to teach on that. And I won't go into it because it's, it's a lot. Uh, but if you can, turn quickly to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verse 14. It says this, it says, For all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, the spirit producing sonship, by which we joyfully cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies and confirms together with our spirit, assuring us that we believers are children of God. And if we are his children, then we are his heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his spiritual blessing and inheritance, if indeed we share in his suffering, so that we may also share in his glory. Then verse 18, for I consider from the standpoint of faith that the sufferings of this present life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us. <laughs> Come on. For even the whole creation, all of nature, waits eagerly for the children of God to be revealed. I want to just stop there. It says that all those that are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. I want to encourage you in this time, in this, in this moment, you, you'll never be sustained by a sermon. 
You'll never be sustained by a YouTube video or a great worship song. The only thing that will sustain and fulfill you is the voice of God within you. And it comes through the Holy Spirit. And, and you know, as a, as a shepherd in this house, my heart cry is to teach and train the bride of Christ to hear God. Because it's the great shepherd that is leading us. It's the great shepherd that's feeding us, fulfilling us. Our jobs as under shepherds are to point us to the great shepherd and to say we follow him. He's the head. We stay connected and in union with him. God's called every single one of you to a personal, intimate oneness with God that is so unique to you, so special, so perfect because of how you've been created. And God's inviting you into that kind of relationship with the Lord. And it's in that relationship that you learn things like submission to God, submission to the family, submission to leaders. That all happens there. But you have an opportunity to come into perfect oneness, perfect unity with the Father through Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit's going to lead you as a son and a daughter so that you can begin to manifest true sonship, the family of God, the government of God, the leadership of God on the earth in the midst of trials, tribulations, in the midst of, of a wilderness squeezing or testing time. When sonship is tested, then we want sonship to be manifested. And it's amazing that we see at the end of that uh, chapter in Luke or, or in Luke 4, it's actually in the middle. When Jesus comes out of the wilderness after the testing and he has manifested sonship, it says that he came out in power. And so what, what is the difference? Because he went in filled, but he came out in power. Well, you see, only when sonship is manifested, that's when there's power. You know, when, you're, when you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, but it's when the testing comes that the manifesting happens. You know, you look at Jesus and you see that every miracle that happened was when Jesus was put in a, in a, a situation where testing came. And when testing came, Jesus manifested sonship. He manifested who he was. He knew who he was. He was rooted and grounded in the love of God, led uh, by the Holy Spirit as a son. And that's how he manifested the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is a manifestation of our sonship. But I just love that it says, For I consider from the standpoint of faith that the sufferings of this present life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us. You know, the sufferings, it says that we must share if we want to uh, be heirs and, and share in the blessings and the inheritance. We must also understand that we also share in his sufferings. We share in the sufferings of Jesus. We, are, we understand that it, we're not talking about an easygoing life. We're talking about a life that's yielded and laid down and given over to him for his glory. We share in his sufferings because we share in his glory. It's, 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 not, a, it's not difficult to understand when you have the heart of a lover. And so I, I want to encourage us today from this place that there's the glory that, that, that God is about to reveal in us and through us. It is so beautiful, so crazy, so wild, so amazing that we cannot even compare the small trials, tribulations and testings and light momentary afflictions that we face here on the earth. They are nothing in comparison to his glory. You know, when we are so in love with Jesus that we're fully given to his dream, suffering, it doesn't even feel like a price or a cost anymore because he's too beautiful. He's too beautiful. He's too worthy for it to even matter. It has no, you know, I can still feel suffering. I can still feel, you know, testing and all these different things. They're real. I'm not, I'm not pretending. They're real things, but they are nothing in comparison to the glory of Jesus. They are nothing in comparison to his face, nothing in comparison to the worthiness of Jesus. And so we have an opportunity right now as the church 
to be a people who know our Father, a people who live in intimacy with the Lord, a people who live in oneness through the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus has done. And as we do that, we'll begin to manifest true sonship on the earth as sons and daughters. And we'll begin to bring the light of the gospel to those around us. And that even in a time where, you know, the facts and the science and the, the political voices and whatever are saying there's a third wave and we see the evidence of that and many people that are, you know, experiencing COVID and these things. That's what's happening around us. But the earth is crying out and groaning for the manifestation, the revealing of the true mature sons and daughters of God. And the true sons and daughters of God are not a people that shrink back. We, are, we didn't receive a spirit of fear that leads us to slavery. We've received the spirit of adoption and his name is the Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of Jesus. And it's by him that we can cry out, Abba, Father, that we are different to others on the earth. We're different to those who don't know him because we actually have the Holy Spirit in us crying out 24-7-365, Abba, Father, I am in divine communion, perfect conversation with the Father 24-7-365 and when my head and my flesh and my soul forget that that's when I need to rise up in faith allow my spirit man to get loud inside of me and tell my soul tell my flesh to bow to the voice of the Holy Spirit within me who's communing with God because I cannot afford not to manifest Jesus when I'm being tested when I'm being squeezed and so I want to be a son that every time the Holy Spirit leads me into the wilderness, I come out in more power, more demonstration of the Holy Spirit, more demonstration of sonship. I'm not afraid of the wilderness. I'm not afraid of testing. I'm not afraid of hardship. I'm not afraid of suffering. I'm not nervous because suddenly it got a little bit difficult. I'm not questioning my faith. I'm not questioning, uh, you know, the, the, the Bible, the truths of the word. I'm not, I'm not shaken by these things. I am rooted and grounded and established in the love of God and I'm going forward and I'm taking ground in the kingdom. I'm not looking to the right or to the left. My eyes are fixed on Jesus. Though my body is fading and, and it will this skin and this stuff that you see, it will be dust one day but my spirit man for all of eternity will be continually communing and being one with the Father, one with Jesus, one with the Spirit. I am not going back. I won't look back. I will look forward and it's time for the church to arise and to shine as true, mature sons and daughters of the Most High God. You see, when you begin to talk like this, when you begin to pray like this, when you begin to believe like this, we become dangerous to the world. And we become dangerous not because we are a people of rebellion, but because we're a people of power. You know, people say, well, Connor, you know, I've processed it. Well, Connor, you're talking about power, but you got COVID. Yeah, but in the midst of COVID, Jesus is having his glory. And the reality is, watch, mark my words. I will lay my hands on the sick that have COVID and they will recover. Mark my words, watch. Wounds are healing in my throat. Come on. God's moving. He's doing this. And so the reality is a little bit of shaking, a little bit of testing, a little bit of, of uh, suffering and trial and tribulation is not going to shake me from what I believe Jesus has said. I will yield my life. I'll die for the gospel. I'll obey him. And the reality is we're in a moment right now. And I want to say this strongly to us as a church. We're in a moment today where what the world needs is not your opinion. We do not need more opinions. We need more obedience. We don't need opinions. We need obedience. 
We need sons and daughters that will humble themselves and stop trying to be the smartest person in the room and start getting to the lowest place in the room. Look for opportunities to serve. Look for opportunities to wash people's feet. Look for opportunities to love people and stop trying to be the big shot and and choose the low ground. When we choose the low ground, we create space for Holy Spirit to begin to move. I want to say to you, we have an opportunity as the church in this hour to shine. And my heart and my desire for my own life and for every single one of you is that as true sons and daughters today on Father's Day, we would understand who our Father is. We would understand the dream, the master plan of the Father. And we would realize that we've been looking for the cure for COVID for so long now, and we've forgotten that we are the cure, that we actually have Holy Spirit inside of us. We're not looking to beat a disease. We're looking to see the world saved with eternity in mind. You need to understand what I'm saying. COVID might touch you for a couple weeks, but eternity without God is the most devastating thought or concept we can have. Why are we so violently obsessed with COVID that can mess you up for a couple weeks, but we, we are not so violently obsessed with the fact that millions of people are, are going to die and spend eternity separate from the Father. They haven't seen the dream of God. They haven't seen the master plan of God. We must get filled and possessed once again with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must get filled and possessed by the spirit of Jesus as true sons and daughters. It's time for us to actually grab a hold of truth now and say, okay, Lord, we cannot be immature sons and daughters who just, you know, wishy-washy tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We have no root system. We're not grounded. We're just always, we're always offended. We're always upset. We're always questioning. We're always doubting. Come on. Enough is enough. Now's the time to grab a hold of truth. Let it change you. Let it transform you and run with the gospel. Burn for Jesus and watch how the Holy Spirit's going to begin to move in our lives, move in the, in the lives of the people around us. And we will see many, many sons and daughters come to know the Father. And that's the greatest miracle that the world has ever seen. You know, I want to say to you, you know, COVID, the only, the, sometimes people get confused. They think that the miracle that we're looking for in a COVID situation is for someone to be instantly healed from COVID. But what we don't understand is that the greatest miracle is actually that I have become one with the Father. I'll spend eternity with Him. So the thing is, COVID loses its power when I'm no longer afraid of death. When I'm not afraid of death, then there's nothing COVID can do to me. So you, so you put me on, on uh, pause for you know, 10 days. It's awesome. I got to seek His face. My occupation is the face of God. You don't change anything. I got to love Him. I got to look at Him. I got to worship Him. I got to do Zoom calls, preach the gospel. Come on, you can't stop me. You can't shake me. You can't do anything. COVID's got no hold on me. I saw you made my throat sore a little bit. Well, I'll preach through it until I get healed. Come on, this is what we are like as the people of God. I'll sing through it. I'll worship through it. If I'm lying in my bed and I have to lie in the fetal position, it's not going to stop me from singing, Worthy is your name. This is who we are as the people of God. And we do it until we see the manifestation of heaven in our bodies and in the bodies of those around us. And we're going to get people saved. We're going to see the kingdom of God established on the earth. So I was trying to be really pastoral and then I got fired up. But I hope it's still pastoral. I'm doing my best. I'm not a natural pastor. I think I'm, I'm more of a, I don't know, psycho warrior or something. I don't know. Um, but I want to just say to you today, my prayer, honestly, for, for 24-7 is that in the midst of this time, come on, we're not shaken. We're not shaken by this. We will not be shaken. We will not, uh, we'll not be tossed to and fro. We are, we're standing on the truth. We're standing on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. 
And so I want to just bless you and just say, man, what a privilege to be the church at this time. What a privilege that we get to do this together. You know, sometimes as a team, we remind ourselves as a staff team, we say this, uh, we, we stole it from another organization, friends of ours, but they always say, we get to do this. And it's such an awesome reminder to keep saying that to each other, like, come on, we get to do this. Okay, so we have to do it on Zoom, but we still get to do it. We get to do this. We get to love Jesus together. We get to be sons and daughters of God. We get to do this in a country that actually allows us to do it for now. It's probably getting dangerous, but, but we get to do this. And so I want to, I want to say to you um, that you are beautiful, that you're radiant, that you are sons and daughters of God. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. It's time to rise and shine. It's time to live for Jesus. Don't look back. Keep looking forward. And let's do what God's called us to do as a family. So Father, I bless every person on this call right now. I thank you for the fire of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of sonship right now to fill and possess every single son and daughter, every single person, even the kids, Lord. Right now, thank you, Holy Spirit, that the presence of Jesus would fill them, flood them right now with light. And I thank you, Jesus, that in this moment, in this hour, we will know like we know like we know that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We have a good Father, an amazing, incredible, beautiful, faithful Father, and we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And Lord, we are living, which means we're going to see your goodness. So we are excited, Lord, in this season to see you manifest heaven in our bodies, in our minds, in our souls, in our spirits, in our families, in our marriages, in our businesses. Wherever we go, we bring the kingdom of heaven. And we call in the harvest of souls right now in Jesus name. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for a billion soul harvest in this hour right now in history. We thank you. Bring them in. We call them in from every nation, the north, the south, the east, the west. We say, come, come home, come to the Father. And Lord, we set ourselves apart. We consecrate ourselves to be your mouthpiece, to be your hands and feet, to love the lost, to minister reconciliation to those who don't know you. And we are so excited to see your kingdom established. And we love you and we enthrone you and we honor you, Lord Jesus. And we are so, so stirred with expectancy, a confident hope in our Lord Jesus. You never fail. You never let us down. And so, Father, we thank you that you're not going to start now. And so we're going to see heaven invade the earth in Jesus' name. Lord, I bless every person. I thank you for healing right now in every single body. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for the life flow of Jesus to go right now into every fiber of their being, every single cell in their body, every muscle. Right now, thank you, Jesus, for total healing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Even now, Lord, I thank you that many on this call will begin to feel the tangible glory of God come upon their bodies. I thank you many will begin to feel fire and heat on their shoulders, on their hands, on their faces. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that the light of heaven begins to touch them, begins to minister to them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Some might even begin to feel electricity in their hands and in their feet, maybe even fire on their feet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the breath of heaven, the breath of God right now on every single person. I just release the glory of God, the glory round, the anointing of the Holy Spirit into every single home right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for ministering angels that are touching every home right now, that are touching every single life, every single heart. I release ministering angels, harvesting angels that go in and begin to fetch family members that are not following Jesus. Thank you right now. I commission and dispatch them. Go and minister to families right now. Go and bring them in, bring in their, their 
hearts. Lord, even now, thank you. I pray for supernatural phone calls that today and tomorrow and this week, the phone's going to ring and there's going to be family members who are going to begin to ask questions about Jesus, ask questions and begin to say, I need to know. I need to know. Help me. I need to know. Thank you for dreams and visions, visitations in the night, encounters. We stand for the lost sons and daughters and we say, Lord, bring them home in Jesus' name. And so we say, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for ministering angels that are partnering with us to do that right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We bless you, Lord. We exalt you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I just speak to lungs. I speak to Luki's lungs and his heart. I thank you, Lord, right now. Total healing supernatural rapid recovery over his body right now in Jesus' name. If there's anyone else on this call that's also been struggling with breathing, I speak to their lungs and I say, be made whole in Jesus' name. Thank you for perfection in their lungs and in the heart. Thank you, Jesus. Perfection in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. There's so many faces I'm going